uh, Psalms chapter 63. O God, you are my God, and I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. How many of you feel like sometimes we're living in a dry and weary land where there is no water? It's just on and on and on, just dry and weary. But I've got news for you this morning. There is water found in the Word of God. And um, we need to, it's so important for believers to get together and worship our King and refresh each other and be encouraged. Um, I just had that uh, verse on my heart this morning. I'd like to open up with a chorus. And I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning. And I will learn to walk in your ways. And step by step you'll lead me. And I will follow you all of my days. Let's all stand up and sing, I will enter his gates. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will praise his the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing, I will sing, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Amen. With my mouth, I will make known. It's so important to, to share. Who's got a testimony this morning? Does anyone have a, anything to share? What's the Lord been doing in your life? Amen. So faithful to each and every one of us. Let's sing uh, Come, Now is the Time to Worship. Come, 
is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to give your heart. Come, just as you are to
Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who reigns forevermore. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who reigns forevermore. Father in heaven, how we love you. We lift your name in all the earth. May your kingdom be established in our praises. As your people declare your mighty works, blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who reigns forever. Amen. Yes, Lord, we just bless your name this morning. Lord, you are so worthy to be praised. Lord Jesus, you take care of us. Lord, you're always faithful. You never allow us to go through anything that's more than we can bear. Lord Jesus, thank you for that promise this morning, Lord. And, and God, you are almighty. You are Father in heaven, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for uh, each one that's here this morning. God, I just pray that your spirit would just have its way. And, Lord, that you would draw us closer to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, does anyone else have anything to share, a prayer request, or uh, just something the Lord's doing in your life?
I know so many times in my own life when I'm going through a dry time, <clears throat> um, it's really just as simple as asking the Lord. I love what you said. Just praying, Lord, help. I need to be filled. And he's always faithful to do it. And I've come, you know, looking back over my life, and it's, it's kind of like every time that I've gone through a really rough time has been because I just get slack and get out of the word of God and just kind of get carried away doing my own thing and um, God has always been faithful and we really ask and just ask him even when we don't feel like anything will happen just still asking him um, he always comes through let's all stand up for this next song it's uh, a little bit more of an upbeat song put your hands together and let's sing with all our hearts You're worthy of my praise. And I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my
singing that song like is that truly my heart that him alone is the only one that I choose to worship like he is the only one that has captured my heart but so easily and so quickly the things of this world can pull at our hearts and I want to be in that place and come back to that place if I'm not of repentance and repenting if there's anything in my heart that um, pulls me away from worship to him alone like and to allow him to prune those things out of my life um, last Sunday in Wisconsin we heard a sermon about how God prunes those that he loves and how it's painful it's it's very painful but it's so necessary to bring forth the life of Christ more fully more richly and for us to bear more fruit is to be pruned and that's the only way and it's usually through pain and through suffering um, but are we willing to embrace that to walk through that with the Lord and to just give him everything like everything in our lives all that we are um, for him to truly fill us and to use us for his glory Wow, amen thank you Sarada for sharing that that goes perfectly with this next song uh, it's one that we haven't sang on a Sunday morning, I don't think, um, but I'm sure most of you know it. It's a song by Bebo Norman uh, called Nothing Without You.
This past weekend we went, obviously my wife said we went back to Wisconsin for a reunion. Yeah, you guys can all be seated because I'm long-winded. Um, <laughs> we went back to Wisconsin for a reunion there to my, my grandparents. So they've been doing this every other year for like since 1981. And my grandparent, my grandfather turned 94 uh, while we were there. And it was really neat because this time they had this whole agenda of doing memories with our grandparents. My grandfather just survived brain uh, surgery this year. He had a tumor on his brain they removed and the size of a grapefruit. And it was just really interesting that everybody now, it's like, oh boy, the time, like time is ending. We don't have much more time with them. I and mean, we were already, we had made it a purpose two years ago to go because I thought this would probably be the last time I'd get to do it with them. And, this year they're still there. And so the cousins, the aunts and the uncles, everybody was really spending time making and re going through memories and pulling information from grandpa and grandma of what took them to Wisconsin out of Indiana, leaving the Amish, just so many different things about their Christian walk and where God has led them and what, what God led them to. And what was overriding overall in everything that I sense that was shared is that grandpa and grandma always took it and said it was because God took them. God led them to this. And if you would look at grandpa um, financially, he would look like he was probably a failure because he sold his dairy farm and um, after all the kids got married, I would have been a young child when grandpa got rid of the dairy farm and they just went into MDS and used up their whole savings, everything from that whole dairy farm and used it all up and then for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, they've had no money and grandpa's too old to work. So it's MDS, um, Mennonite Disaster Service, sorry. So I gotta abbreviate. So they went, basically wherever there was a tornado or a flood or anything like that, grandpa and grandma were living there. And they would live there for six months to a year to two years, whatever it took. And they were very rarely home. And my grandpa was an incredible carpenter and so, and grandma was so good with all the cooking and stuff like that. So they were just a great team that just always went and did this stuff. And, but it's been really challenging for them the last 15 years, uh, 10, 15 years to make a living enough to um, survive. And, and so it's just this thing of God, but now they have, I don't know how many grandchildren, I don't think they gave that number out, but all these grandchildren and uh, sons and daughters and we're very different. There's very conservative ones, Mennonite, very conservative Mennonite to, I don't know, some kind of form of Baptist or really nothing that I don't even think, some of them don't even go to church. But yet, there is an overwhelming sense of what God can do in a family and what grandpa and grandma, they were looking back at what grandpa and grandma's legacy is. And I always go back to an old poem I heard it says, you know, how did you spend your dash? So in other words, you have your, on your tombstone, you will have a birth date and you will have a death date. But neither one of those really matters that much. The greatest thing that matters is the dash in between those. How do we spend that? And the testimony that was given of grandpa and grandma and what is still given in that their prayer of, of the dedication they had to devotions and and prayer and that they still do naming I mean they said they know every grandchild by name every great-grandchild I think pretty much they said by name 
and they pray for them every day. They spend hours in prayer. That is their communication with their family that is spread all over the United States is through prayer. And I thought, what a beautiful testimony that we are brought together as a family through prayer. How much more can I even be that in our family, in the, in the family of God? Do I purpose that in my heart to be brought together as prayer? Is that what's binding us? Is Christ? Or is it our relationship with each other? And Christ is kind of a side note, maybe. Mm. Or is it focused on Christ? And that's what brings us together. That's what draws us, knits us together. And then when we are together in person, it's just a continuation of the relationship we already have because of him. I was just greatly encouraged this last weekend with that. We had a wonderful time, but I was encouraged in my own Christian life just to be more of what God wants me to be, to make him my all in everything. Amen. Thank you, Carrie, for sharing that. Let's do one more song. Mighty to save. Can move the mountain. 
Seated. Turn the time over. Yeah. All right. If the children want to come forward, wow, it's been a while since we've had you here. And now I got I'm drawing a complete blank. Remind me of you. Riata, thank you. I should have known that. I'm sorry. I'm terrible with names. All right. You guys got a new song or a different song or an old song? Jesus loves me. All right. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus. believe that and how do you know it's true how where it just tells you in your dreams the Bible tells us so that song is the simplest song it's the oldest song but it's probably the most true song we can possibly sing all right another one God's not dead all right Or you want to go G? G? God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. I feel him in my hands, feel him in my feet, feel him in my heart, feel him in my soul. Woo! Feel him. That's right. You got it. You got that part anyway. All right. So you guys, you don't like stories at all, do you? No, okay. Never mind. What's another song? 
Wrapped up, tied up? Huh? You got room down here. Well, the older boys lead out, go down there. The younger kids are nice and tall now up here. Okay. Oh, you guys got to spread out a little bit. Here, Blake. Over here. There we go. All right. We got six feet here. All right. <laughs> Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in God. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side. Inside, outside, side to side. Inside, outside, side to side in God. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right. Upright, downright, living right. Upright, downright, living right in God. I'm wrapped up, tied up. Tangled up in Jesus, I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, inside, outside, side to side, upright, downright, living right in God. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm upright. Downright, living right in Jesus. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Inside, outside, side to side. Upright, downright, living right in God. You wanna go faster? Can we go faster, Preston? Okay, here we go. Preston, start it up. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, inside, outside, side to side. Upright, downright, living right. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, inside, outside, side to side. Upright, downright, living right in God. Woo! I'm sorry, Sherry, I didn't do quite what you wanted. Um, we could do somebody special. Okay, what's another one you guys want? King of the Jungle. I was thinking about that one this morning, too. Who's the king of the jungle? Who's the king of the sea? Who's the king of the universe? the king of me, I tell you, J-E-S-U-S, yes, he's the king of me, he's the king of the universe, the jungle and the sea, who's the king of the jungle, who's the king of the sea, 
king of the universe And who's the king of me? I tell you, J-E-S-U-S Yes, he's the king of me He's the king of the universe The jungle and the sea At least the monkeys are still working in this. You're free to start doing whatever you want. I mean, if you want to get all charismatic on us, that's fine. Last weekend, I seen a bunch of conservative Mennonites with kids' songs get more charismatic than I'd ever seen them get. <laughs> all right. Let's see here. We got time for more. Got another one? Got one? Which one you like? We did that one though. Got another one? What's the next one? Somebody special? Okay. Do you? God made me somebody special. Somebody special. Yes, sir. God made me somebody special, somebody special, yes indeed, he knows each time I need him, see here's my humble prayer, he's when things get hairy, and all I can feel is do one more walk 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 okay but we got to have the adults stand up because they haven't got their morning exercises yet huh uh, you have to walk you have to watch Sarita because I can't even remember um, it's a great thing D again it's a great thing to praise the Lord. It's a great thing to praise the Lord. It's a great thing to praise the Lord. Walking in the light of God. Walk, walk, walk in the light. Woo! Walk, walk, walk in the light. Woo! Walk, walk, walk in the light. Walking in the light of God. It's a great thing to love the Lord. It's a great thing to serve the Lord. 
that Abe never got up? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I think Abe should have to, because, I mean, with as good as he is at fires, I think he could probably sing this little light of mine quite brightly. <laughs> all right, you all can go back. Thank you very much. see you all here this morning again. You know, I was thinking um, through our praise, worship, sharing, testimonies, the uh, passage of scripture from Acts chapter 4 came to mind where Peter and John went up to the temple and they healed the uh, lame man there in the gate and got into trouble for it with the uh, Pharisees and the rulers of the synagogues. And they uh, wanted to lock them up for a while. Well, that didn't work out so well. And they still ended up back in the temple teaching. And, and their teaching was all about Jesus and what had taken place. And this was, you know, this was their very recent history. They weren't talking about something that happened, you know, a long time beforehand. Well, the Pharisees and the rulers gathered them together again and said, hey, you got to stop. You know, they, they feared the people. They weren't going to uh, do anything too serious to them because they were afraid that uh, the people would revolt against them because everyone was interested in hearing what they had to say. So they quietly told them, you know, you got to stop. you got to be quiet. We're not going to do anything to you, but you have to stop preaching. And Peter and John said to them, how can we do anything but tell of the things that we have seen and heard? We can't do anything but that. And that came to my mind this morning because I believe that's exactly what was taking place here this morning in, in our worship and especially in the testimonies that were shared, sharing of the things that we have seen and heard of Jesus Christ. And that's a blessing to see that being worked out in reality in the church. So thank you all for sharing and, and taking part of our service 
so far this morning. So uh, I'm not sure of any pressing announcements uh, regarding the week ahead, but uh, as usual, we have a meal planned for after the service. You are more than welcome to stay. It's a part of our fellowship and uh, part of our time building each other up in the Lord. And so please do join us for that. We're thankful for everybody here, for the visitors. Welcome. Uh, the Shrocks, I'm not sure if you qualify as visitors, but welcome nonetheless. <laughs> Thank you for uh, making the, what, three or four hour drive down here this morning. So uh, it's a blessing to have you all here. And before we turn it over to Phil, let's just bow our heads for prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time that we have together here this morning. I thank you for the privilege that we have to, to share, to tell of the things that we have seen and heard of you. And I thank you that we can do that for the most part without uh, interference and without being threatened to be quiet. I know it's not that way in many areas of the world, and I pray for those this morning who are being threatened to be quiet. And I pray that you would continue to build their faith and build ours as well, Father, that our faith would be so strong in you, our desire to tell of what you, do, you have done, that... Nobody could take that away from us. I pray that that would be a reality in, our, in each one of our hearts and lives this morning. I pray that you would open your word to us today as we continue to fellowship around your word, that we would hear from you. pray for Brother Phil as he speaks your words, that you would give him what we need to hear and that you would speak to him so that he in turn can speak your word. I pray that you would bless our fellowship together and that it would all be upbuilding in our lives and that it would honor and glorify you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We would um, pray together for just a little season here this morning. Um, First of all, let's pray for Gloria and her mom. Can we do that, Gloria? Uh, Gloria's mom has, um, is it Al Alzheimer's or oh, dementia? Yeah. And so she went to see her, you know, with the COVID-19. She couldn't see her or talk to her for quite a long time, and, and she doesn't remember who she is. And it's just a tough week for you, Gloria. Let's just take a moment to pray for her. Lord Jesus, we lift up Sister Gloria to you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have washed her with your precious blood. You have redeemed her soul. You have adopted her into your family, and she's one of yours. And you care deeply for her. And Father, we just thank you for the privilege as her church family, Lord, as brothers and sisters in your family, that we can come alongside her and encourage her with your word and, and lift her up before our Father, you, our Father, that you would give her comfort and encourage her as she walks with her mom through this difficult journey, Lord, in the, in the 
uh, ending season of her life, Lord. We don't know how many years yet you'll give to her mother, but oh Lord Jesus, we do pray that you would give her the opportunity to continue to share with her, even if it's just for 15 minutes. And Lord, that you would encourage her to continue, Lord, to just speak your words of life to her mom. And we do pray that you would touch her mother, Lord, and still give her a season, Lord, where she'll recognize her and remember her and know her and they can have some good fellowship. So we lift her up before you and pray that you, Lord Jesus, would comfort her, lift her up, and you would bless her with this relationship with her mom in Jesus' name. Also, I want to welcome Eldon, Brother Eldon, back. So good to have you back from Nebraska. Some of you may not remember him, but uh, Brother Eldon lives down here, just down the street, not too far, and, and the Lord has been moving in his life, and I can't wait to hear just how God has been faithful to you, even though God is sometimes a God of surprises, and we don't recognize all what God is doing, yet it's just been an encouragement, uh, Eldon, to see your walk with the Lord, and you've been encouragement to me. Can we pray for you? Lord, we lift up Brother Eldon before you. We pray, Lord, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon our brother again in a fresh and renew his spirit, Lord, again today. Father, you know the journey you have him on, Father, a journey of the glory of your only begotten Son. You have set each of us as your children on this journey to be transformed into the image of your dear Son. And I pray, Lord, as he continues to seek your face for your will in his life, and as he just allows you and submits to you, Lord Jesus, to direct his steps, that you would encourage him this morning. We thank you for the encouragement he is to us. He has been to me personally in his devoted, uh, risk-taking faith. Lord, I pray that you would now just comfort him and encourage him and bless him, and he could find his peace in your rest and just rest in your love. Thank you for what you are going to do still with our dear brother and how you're going to use him mightily for your kingdom and his willingness to be used by you in Jesus' name. Also, I want to welcome Sam and Gail. It's good to have you here with us. And just a, a, a little surprise I found out last night that here's my, one of my aunts is Sam's uh, cousin, first cousin. Wow. Uh, I, it's just amazing how the Lord, you know, uh, really we live in a small world. <laughs> Sometimes we think it's a big world, but we all come from Noah. Guess what? We're all related. So it's a blessing to have you here. And uh, also I want to just uh, take the, a moment to congratulate and to bless uh, Jamie Chilton and Jenny Schrock. In case anyone hasn't heard the news, they have begun courting. Let's give them a hand of welcome and congratulations. It's always a joy to see the Lord lead young people together and lead people's lives together for a particular purpose. And my prayer is that you'll sense that purpose, that God is leading you together and you'll just continue to trust him with your lives. And I ask him if I could, if we as a church could just pray around them and pray for them and, and lift them up before the Lord. And they said they'd be fine with that. So let's do that. Our Heavenly Father, we lift up Brother Jamie and Sister Jenny before you. Father, I thank you for how your Holy Spirit leads your children for your glory, for your honor. And we don't know the future that is ahead of them, Lord. We don't know, Lord, what you all know and what you have all called them 
to and purposed their lives for. But one thing we know, you have saved them and you have called them to a holy calling and your desire is to transform their lives continually from glory to glory to reflect and shine the image of Jesus Christ and to preach the gospel to the world, to make them messengers of the good news that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and is alive and is able to save us and redeem us from our sins. So I pray, Lord, you would use them for that purpose. And this relationship, Lord, we lift it up before you. We pray you would shepherd their souls, that you would keep them pure. Lord Jesus, that you would sanctify their relationship and keep them from the evil one and from the pressures of the world and even from their own flesh. And you would set apart this relationship, Lord Jesus, unto yourself so that you are glorified in it and they are blessed. We thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can turn your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 2. We're going through the Gospel of John, and I have been richly encouraged and blessed as I've been taking this concentrated journey with Jesus as the Gospel of John has recorded it for us. Together, looking at the view that Matthew, Mark, and Luke also record the life and story of Jesus Christ, if you haven't done it lately, and you want to be encouraged by Jesus himself, his life, his words, his ministry, just do it. Read the story again. You will be encouraged. And your life will be transformed if you allow the Holy Spirit to do that in you. The Christian life is not a robotic life. God has not created us as robots. And he does not force us to do anything. The gospel hinges on one small word. The personal experience of the gospel story, where it becomes your story, my story, is hinged on this little word, if. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink, Jesus said. If you're not thirsty, many didn't come. When Jesus stood at the temple that great feast day, and he cried out those words, If any man thirst, Come to me and drink. He will have everlasting life. How many came? The, the temple at that feast day, the great feast day, was packed with thousands of Jews who said they were God's children. How many came to Jesus and said, Give me that living water? Very few. Very few. The gospel made personal to you and I is hinged on if, if you will. But if you won't, then you won't. Jesus won't force it to you and I. But those words, Jesus is still speaking through the Holy Spirit to every soul on the earth. If you will come and follow me, I will give you eternal life. If you believe on me, 
And so, John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was invited and his disciples to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, Hey Jesus, they have no wine. Can you imagine? Can you go ahead and put that photo up for me, Ethan? I just found this on Google. But I wanted to give you a, a visual. Hey Jesus, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, can imagine Jesus sitting at the table or sitting around there or where, whatever he was doing. And his mom comes and says, they ran out of wine. Now wine in the Hebrew culture was a very significant thing, especially in weddings. And I don't have the time to go all into that, but you could study it. If you want to do an interesting study, study in the Hebrew culture the significance of wine and how Jesus became that wine for you and I today, that living water. Jesus said to her, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. Strange words, harsh words. It seems at first glance that Jesus would turn to his mom and say, what do I have to do with you, mom? Now, I don't know how you've understood these words, but this is how the Holy Spirit has ministered them to me. This Jesus had just begun his ministry. He had been at home and he was 30 years old. And he had submitted to his mother. It tells us in Luke chapter 2 that when his mother went and father went to find him in the temple and his mom said, son, what have you done to us? Don't you know we've been looking for you for three days? She was frustrated with him. And Jesus also had those words for him. Don't you know, mom, I have to be about my father's business at the age of 12. But then it says this, Jesus went home with his parents and he submitted to them. And so from the age of 12 until the age of 30, Jesus probably did pretty much anything mom said. His mom was a good mother. Remember, she knew who Jesus was. She knew she was the woman who the angel came to and had given birth to this firstborn son. She knew who he was, the Son of God, the Messiah. The angels had told her. She had witnessed all the miracles. And then the silent 18 years that we know nothing about Jesus' life. Very interesting. The majority of Jesus' life on earth was not full of miracles and sermons. It was a quiet life. So quiet. That the Holy Spirit, for some reason, has hidden it from you and I. Hasn't revealed it to us. One day, I believe, we'll find out. It was a life of power. This was God in the flesh. It doesn't get more powerful than that. This was Jesus, this very Son of God. Who Colossians chapter 1 tells us he was the creator of all things. In him hold all things together. He was there at the creation. He was God embodied in a human man. And quiet for the majority of his life on the earth. I don't know about you, but when the Lord takes me into a little quiet zone, I start getting a little depressed and frustrated and thinking... Why do I have to be so quiet? What's going on, Lord? Is there something wrong with me? 
Well, there's nothing wrong with us. You're just being made like Jesus. Our flesh. Don't you parents have a hard time telling the children to sit quietly? That's our flesh. But the Lord Jesus embodied the very presence of God in a human form. And now his mom comes to him and says, Hey, I have something for you to do. She knew he could do something about it. But he says, my hour hasn't come yet, mom. Now, I think what he was telling her is, hey, mom, from now on, things are different. I actually must be about my father's business, and you're not the one to tell me to turn the water to wine. Only my father can tell me that. As in John chapter 6, Jesus said, I can do nothing unless I see my father do it and I hear my father say it. So mom couldn't, he couldn't do the miracle just because mom wanted him to. A very important lesson, dear brothers and sisters, that no matter how much the person has influenced us and how much we love them, no one else on earth can tell you how to walk with God. As an adult, there's only one voice that now you and I get to obey. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. No other person. We cannot allow any other person, no matter how dear and close the relationship, to define our obedience to the Lord. And Jesus knew that. And so he had these words for his mother. His mother wasn't offended. She was okay with that. In verse 5, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. <laughs> Interesting. Mom just walks away. Hey, whatever he says, just do it. I can imagine her just walking away. She knew who Jesus was. And she left it up to him and his father to figure it out. Now Jesus had done no miracles yet. Not even one. Not even one. Because it says, this was the first miracle that he's done. Now there were, verse 6, six stone water pots set there for Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Now have you guys ever seen a 50 gallon drum barrel? How many of you guys have seen that? I grew up on the farm with 50 gallon drum barrels. We used them in numerous different ways. But 30, 20 to 30 gallons, that's not just a 5 gallon bucket. That's a, that's a big jar. Holds a lot of water. And Jesus looks at the servants. Fill the water pots with water. And they fill them up to the brim. So I want you to walk through this experience with Jesus. You're there at the wedding. You're a servant perhaps. Jesus looks at you and says, Just fill them up with water. Whatever you say. You start filling up these six of them. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. What is this guy, crazy? We're just going to give him water? How would you like have been that servant? Would you have done it? You had just filled this pot with water. Now you're supposed to take it and take it to the head waiter. This guy was the, the wedding coordinator. He was... What do you think his response was going to be to you? What are you, nuts? You're giving me water? Where's the wine? 
He may not even even known that they were out of wine yet. The faith of a servant. Unmentioned the name. Oh, I can't wait to meet this guy. Whoever his name, whatever his name was, that obeyed Jesus and got to be a part of his first miracle on earth. Will you be a part of Jesus' miracles? If you have the faith of a servant who just does what he tells you to do, you will witness a miracle. And when the head waiter tasted the water which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first. And when men have drunk freely, then that which is poor, the worst stuff comes last after you're kind of half drunk. But you, you've kept the good wine until now. Boy, can you imagine the relief that must have flooded that servant? How much he must have just been thrilled with the awe of what he had experienced and witnessed. Never before in his life, never before on the earth, had anyone turned water into wine. Never. This beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. It was a glorious experience, so glorious that his disciples who watched this said, He is the Christ. You remember, just, we just read last Sunday how they believed he was the Christ. They sensed it in their heart. John the Baptist had said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Andrew goes and finds Peter and persuades him to come. And Nathaniel, they, they, these men call each other to come see this guy. And, and Jesus told Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel believed in him. What? Even before I was here, you seen me? And Jesus said, you're going to see greater things than this. Right here it was. They believed in him. Water is natural. Right? And so what I'd like to challenge you with this morning is this message. Has Jesus turned your natural water life into wine? Now, the experience that every guest had in the wedding who tasted of Jesus' wine must have been much like the head waiter. When he tasted, he goes, what, you give us the rubbish first? This is the best wine that I've ever tasted. And so, Jesus blessed those people at the wedding with water, natural substance, turned into a spiritual substance. Something which only he can do. And this is how the Lord ministered to me. Fill whatever is natural in your life 
will never bless anyone, not your natural talents, not your natural looks, not your natural words, not your natural desires. There is nothing natural that can inherit the kingdom of God. That's what Romans said. That which is natural or fleshly, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Not on the earth and not in eternity. That which is natural, dear brother and sister, must be first turned into that which is spiritual by the living word of Jesus Christ spoken into our natural life. That's the only way your and I's life can be turned into a blessing for many. And yet... Our natural life, I find in myself, my natural life is precious. And some of the reason it's precious is because it's familiar. I was born like this. I began to get to know myself and my own desires. And, and growing up, I began to feel important through these natural talents or desires or who you are. You, become, you develop self-confidence. You, you develop, you enjoy your natural life. I mean, if you don't, then you get depressed. But the natural man that God created is enjoyable. And we, it becomes our comfort zone. And then Jesus comes. And intentionally, on some important wedding day, your natural life runs out. It leaves you empty, just like that jar. And there is nothing to give. And somebody needs something from you. Some kind of encouragement. Some kind of good to come from you. And you have nothing to give. You're empty. What will you do? Walk away empty? Or will you like Jesus' mother... Come to Jesus and say, Lord, I am empty. I need something from you to turn my life in, from a natural fleshly life to a spiritual life of blessing. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Our brother Paul speaks of this truth. And this is what he says about it. And interesting, he gives us the process. Chapter 15. Uh, I think I'll begin reading in, in verse uh, 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning for some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But someone will say, how are the dead raised and with what kind of body do they come? Some will say, what kind of spiritual life is for me? You fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, 
but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. The grain which you sow does not resemble the life it brings forth. Think about that. In the natural world, you sow a kernel of corn, and after it dies and is buried in the ground, what comes out? A kernel of corn? What comes out? Out of the ground? Someone tell me. Does it look at all like the kernel of corn that you put in there? No. It doesn't resemble it at all. A stalk. Something green. What? I planted something yellow. It was tiny. And now this green thing is coming out. Now we're not surprised by that because we understand the process. We actually expect that little green leaf to start shooting up that stalk and for it to grow into a high stalk. And then little nubs start growing out of it and we know where to find that kernel of corn in the process. But spiritually, we seem to be discouraged perhaps because we're ignorant of this truth or we forget it. And we get discouraged when God decides to enact his very process of life, eternal life, with you and me. He takes our natural life that we've got to know so well and he buries it in a dark, dark place and he covers it up and then something terrible begins to happen. We begin to deteriorate. But God doesn't call it deterioration. He calls it germination. We begin to germinate. And as you die and it looks like it's deteriorating, it's actually breaking apart and a new life is coming up. A new life that will bring forth many, many more corn of wheat or grain than just one. Jesus spoke of this in John, um, the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Jesus said this, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. Well, that's pretty comfortable to remain by yourself alone. But you talk about taking you out of your comfort zone. We're talking about you, your life here. You're the grain of wheat. Jesus was speaking about his personal life story. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life, his natural life, loses it. He who hates his natural life in this world shall keep it to life eternal. And that which you sow, verse 37, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, as God wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. Dropping down to verse 43. This is how the resurrection of spiritual life from the dead works in our life. It is sown in dishonor. Wait, what? 
in dishonor, that's the way to eternal life. If any man wants to save his life, there's no force. God doesn't just pluck you and plant you. If it's a willing choice you and I get to make. If you want to bear much fruit in your life, it must be sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, the natural man. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. But the last man, the last Adam, became a life-giving spirit. You under, do you see the difference? The one is a self-centered, self-preserved life. Everything you do and think about and say is about preserving your life. Your natural life, your natural desires, all of your natural life, you're seeking to preserve it. That's the natural man. That's what we do. That's what we will do unless we make this decision. Unless we see and hear the call of Jesus and see it in his life and see the call that he answered to his father and we follow Jesus and become like him and we make the choice, I'm done with my natural life. Lord Jesus, take me down in flames. No, take me down in dishonor. Bury me in the dirt so I can germinate. Let my natural life deteriorate and become a life-giving spirit. But I completely lose control of that life now. Now, someone else has control of this new life. You are at the mercy of the gardener. You're at the mercy of Him watering you, of Him cultivating the weeds around you, of Him being careful and tender around you and preserving your life. And it becomes a life-giving body, spirit. However, verse 46, the spiritual is not first. Doesn't come that way. The spiritual is not first, but the natural then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. And as is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. You are earthly minded. You think about everything on the earth and you think almost nothing about heaven. You know why? Your affections aren't there. Colossians 3 tells us, set your affection on things above. But the earthy man doesn't do that. He has no affections for heaven. His affections are on the earth, money, life-preserving stuff, wealth, life-preserving things of whatever he wants, something on the earth, because he's an earthy man. He cannot set his affection on things above. Only the spiritual man can. 
And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. And just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we also bear the image of the heavenly. But this comes at great risk to you and I. Not just great risk, the actual loss of our life. Think just for a moment with me about Apostle Paul. To me, as a natural man, he was the epitome of an example of this. He was a man, a godly man, not a wretched sinner. A godly man, full of godly zeal, brought up in a Christian home, in a, in a Jewish home, taught about God from his little age up. And, and he had a zeal and a passion for God, for the Jewish God, for the Jewish people, to preserve the covenant that God had made with Moses. It was Bible stuff. It was Bible stuff. The Bible they had. But then Jesus showed up in his life and he gave him a choice. Notice the tenderness of Jesus with Apostle Paul. Here was a man who was killing Christians because he believed it was the right thing to do. He was preserving the old covenant that God had made with Israel. And then Jesus shows up and all he does is just say, Hey Paul, Saul, Saul, why? Are you persecuting me? What, a, what for question is that, Jesus? But Paul knew what question it was. Not at first. He says, Lord, who are you? He knew it was something from heaven. A bright light was shining down on him. And he heard a voice. He knew it came from heaven. He knew it didn't come from one of his men around him. He knew it didn't come from the earth. It was a voice from heaven. And so he went and sought the Lord for three days and three nights. Fasted, prayed. What do you want from me, Lord? What is it? And the Lord revealed himself. And what did he do? Well, this was the choice Paul had in Philippians 3. This was the choice Jesus gave him. And look how it radically changed his life. No longer was he trying to protect and preserve the Hebrew culture. The covenant that God had given to Moses with God's people. Everything changed. And he changed with everything. He says this. Philippians chapter 3. Although I myself, verse 4, might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But, oh, when Jesus comes and wants to change your life, he says, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. First, you must count it as a loss. Then you must go more than that. 
More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. You see what Jesus became to him? His Lord. Not just his Savior, not just the Messiah who will come in the future to save Israel. Paul's personal Lord. For whom, and here's the more than, for whom I have suffered the loss of everything. All things. And how did he look at that loss? Do you mourn when God gives you the choice to be planted? Begin to deteriorate and take away your natural life in dishonor? Do you mourn that loss? Paul didn't. And when he called that loss, he said it's all but rubbish. I count it all as rubbish that I may gain Christ. That word in the Greek is poop. That's exactly what it is. Dung. I don't know what you do with yours, but I get rid of mine as quickly as I can. We flush it down the toilet. And I never cry about it. You ever cry over that? I don't cry over that loss. Never shed a tear over it. I'm so thankful for that loss. That's exactly how radically Paul seen this. The loss of his natural life for the gain of the spiritual. And when you and I do not count it like he did, we don't experience it like he did. I want to read to you a short excerpt from John Piper. I just want to encourage you again. If you haven't gotten this book yet, it's worth your money. It will be a help to perhaps encourage you down this journey of loss and the change from your water into wine, his wine. John Piper says this. Why is there such a thing as risk? Because there is such a thing as ignorance. If there were no ignorance, there would be no risk. Risk is possible because we do not know how things will turn out. This means that God can take no risk. He knows the outcome of all his choices before they happen. This is what it means to be God over against all the gods of the nations. But not so with us. We are not God. We are ignorant. We don't know what will happen tomorrow. God does not tell us in detail what he intends to do tomorrow or five years from now. Evidently, God intends for us to live and act in ignorance and in uncertainty about the outcome of our actions. Therefore, risk is woven into the fabric of our finite lives. We cannot avoid risk, even if we want to. Ignorance and uncertainty about tomorrow is our native air. All of our plans for tomorrow's activities can be shattered by a thousand unknowns, whether we stay at home, under the covers, or ride the freeways. Think for a moment with me of a, a young man that many of us have known. His name was Seth. One Friday night, Carrie and Saretta were having the youth, and he was on his way over there. And he calls Carrie, and he's, he's not sure where he's at. 
He's confused. And he gets there and Carrie rushes him to the hospital. And he's partly, all of a sudden, can't feel something in his, was it right or left side? And he's laying there. And what I've seen in his eyes when I got into the room and as Carrie and I and a few others prayed over him was a sense of risk. A sense of, I don't know what's happening with me. But God did. And three weeks later, that earthly body was transformed into a heavenly. His spirit was with God. And his earthly life was over. Three weeks later, after enduring much pain in the hospital room, he, however, had submitted his life to Jesus Christ. All of our plans for tomorrow's activities can be shattered by a thousand unknowns. Whether we stay at home, under the covers, or ride the freeways. One of my aims is to explode, listen to this, John Piper says, one of my aims is to explode the myth of safety and to somehow deliver you from the enchantment of security. Because it's a mirage. It doesn't exist. Every direction you turn, there are unknowns and things beyond our control. The tragic hypocrisy is that the enchantment of security lets us take risks every day for ourselves. But paralyzes us from taking risk for others on the Calvary road of love. We are deluded and think that it may jeopardize a security that in fact does not exist. The way I hope to explode the myth of safety and to disenchant you with the mirage of security is simply to go to the Bible and show you that it is right to risk for the cause of Christ and that is not a waste of your life. Jesus said it. If you want to find your life, the natural must die. The water must be turned to wine. It's a miracle of life. A touch, a word from the master of miracles, the giver of life, Jesus. And when he comes to you and tells you, pour out your water, pour out your water, will you? Will you be that servant? Will you have the faith of that unknown servant and begin to pour out your water for Jesus Christ and trust him to raise it up to a spiritual life, to turn it into a life-giving wine? Then you must be willing to do like Apostle Paul and risk your whole life, everything. The Christian life is a risk but the thing is, the devil's life is far riskier. Our natural life is far riskier. We're just deluded because we built all these natural securities in our heads, in our minds. We think we feel secure through money, through relationships, through whatever. All the natural life that we've grown up in feels secure, but it is not the only secure eternal life you and I have 
is to take, risk it all for Jesus. Risk it all and let the natural die in dishonor, in disgrace, so that the Lord can raise up a new life with you and I that will be a life-giving spirit. Oh, Father, I pray that every soul here today would trust you enough to let go, to step out and risk it all when you say, step out. To let our natural life deteriorate and die. To make that choice for our Lord and let you be glorified in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Phil. You know, the world tells us how to, uh, how to find our security or where to find our security. And, and uh, even in uncertain times such as we're living in now, you can hear all kinds of things out there from a psychology perspective to do this, take this step, do this, do that, you'll feel more secure, do this uh, financially to make yourself more secure. And a lot of those things aren't necessarily wrong in and of themselves, but with the world that's, that seems to be where it stops. Find a way to make yourself more secure in this life. But if that's, if that's where our security is, if that's all that we have as security, we're really the most unsecure people around. If all, if all you have is security in this world, you have nothing. And that's not to say that having financial security or whether it's your health or whatever it is that it's not to say that those things are wrong but if that becomes what you depend on it's certainly not going to get you anywhere where you want to go but thank you for sharing those challenging words with us Phil I believe John's out there grilling us up some hamburgers and uh, I uh, think we're probably about ready for those, so let's all stand to our feet. We'll ask a blessing on the noon meal and continue our fellowship. Jason, you want to close us in a prayer, ask the blessing on the food? Heavenly Father, yes, we come before you and thank you, Lord, for the word we heard and um, just the fellowship time. That uh, before us here, I pray that you would bless the food to our bodies. We give you thanks for it and help us to not take it for granted, Lord. And be with each and every one this week as we go on and uh, live our lives, Lord. Draw us to you and help us to take that word to heart, Lord, to give up our, our natural light, to see ourselves as dead but alive into Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.